Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 97. Well, I've tried to record this intro quite a few times. Yesterday, I was trying to record it and there was a lot of banging going on. And then I just recorded it and it deleted. So here we are again, five goes deep, I think, into recording this intro. But it's going to be worth it because today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, pain, injury, and rehabilitation. For those of you who have been in the warrior world for quite some time, you know that injury and pain is a really big part of my story. Uh, And so today I invited Dave Leyland on, who is a practicing physio here in North Van and a good friend. Dave and I have known each other for about four years, uh, himself and Clayton, who is his business partner, uh, they joined me for a mobility session uh, when I was teaching mobility in a local gym here in North Van. And then he became my physiotherapist and uh, himself and Richard, who studied under Dave, are yeah my treating physios. So I invited him on to talk about pain, injury and rehab. Dave is the co-owner of Coast, and Coast is uh, a movement-focused company in North Van and Vancouver that really aims to change the way that injury rehab is done. And they have this really cool tagline, which is, this is rehab. And they're really more than like your average clinic. Uh, They believe that treatment is super active, not a passive process, and that We must integrate movement education to get people out of pain and to rehab themselves back to health and full capacity. And so Dave, you know, his philosophy, his methodology, his belief is that the most important tool when it comes to rehab is movement. And this is why I love him and I love how uh, how he practices as a practitioner because he loves movement. So we spend most of the episode talking about movement and its role in pain, injury, and rehabilitation. So we start by talking about Dave's story, you know, what like what, what he does now. Uh, we talk a bit about Coast and really his methodology, uh, how he practices as a physiotherapist. And then we dive into talking about the anatomy and physiology of pain. And I'm super fascinated with relation, uh, people's relationship to pain. Uh, so we talk a little bit about that, which is, uh, it's super cool. And then we spend a lot of time talking about why having a movement-based approach to injury and rehab is key and why being active versus passive in this process uh, is important for our rehabilitation journey. And we talk about so much more, uh, ending on, you know, some myths and misconceptions when it comes to injury and pain. It was a really cool conversation uh, and I hope you enjoy it. I think it's a really important conversation and we really need to do the work to reframe uh, our relationship to pain and to injury. Okay, Warrior Woman, enjoy this conversation with Dave Leyland on pain, injury and rehabilitation. Welcome to the Warrior School Podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, 
knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Okay, we're just going to get straight into it because we have been navigating technical problems for the last 20 minutes. (laughs) Don't worry, we're both very good at what we do, but (laughs) when it comes to technology, uh, no, no. No. yeah. (laughs) Not my forte. Yeah, not mine either, but lucky we're not going to talk about technology today. Are we talking about periods? (laughs) not going to talk about periods either what (laughs) i know we're going to talk about pain and injury and rehab awesome like that (laughs) yeah i thought you might like that um i want to say thank you for coming on of course no i'm stoked to be here i i've always liked the work you do um like I actually I was just telling somebody was like what are you filming the podcast for I'm like oh Amy Bo I I really like the work she does I I think it's really interesting and I'd personally love to spend time learning more about the the depths of it but I I love all the stuff you post and uh, I love your energy too of course thanks Dave (laughs) um well I love the work that you do and yeah when I was thinking about topics for podcast episodes last year and I was thinking about this whole topic of pain and injury and rehab and our relationship to pain and our relationship to injuries and even rehab and I was thinking oh okay I know who I'm gonna get on I'm gonna get Dave on (laughs) so um we're gonna talk about that today great great we can say periods for later we can save periods for later. We could maybe bring it in somehow. I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> um, I would love to start uh, with your story a little bit about like what you do now, you know, the, the baby that you birthed into the world. How old is Coast now? Coast, we just started our fifth year of action. So we've been in action for four years now. Um, we have a clinic in North Vancouver. That's the one that's four years old. And our Kits Lano clinic is now two and a half years old. Um, and then we have recently partnered with, with uh, Revive Medical with a bit of a satellite location there as well. A uh, great set of doctors there that are help with our uh, referrals and uh, multidisciplinary care. Um, but yeah, Coast is kind of me and my business partner. Um, we used to work together and then we kind of went our separate ways. Uh, and then we both realized, you know, we had similar visions and, and goals for a business one day. So we decided to partner up and uh, make something happen. And 
really what we wanted to do is create a space where it truly reflects what we believe is one of the most important things in rehab, which is movement. And when you go to a lot of physiotherapy clinics, it's basically a bunch of rooms or tables. And then, you know, maybe a little cornered off section of uh, the space is got like a BOSU ball and some bands. And we wanted to create some spaces that really had all the equipment you need to, to truly strengthen the body and uh, give people the ability to, to learn about their bodies so they can uh, take action in their own care. Yeah. And we're going to get into that, your philosophy and like the client journey and how it has such an emphasis on like a movement-based approach. Uh, and, you know, your slogan is like, this is rehab. Uh, but before we go there, like, I'd love to hear a little bit about your backstory. Like, was movement always a big part of like your life? Uh, and then when you went to school and came out of school and started to practice, like, did you just have this like innate feeling that movement was the way to go? Or did you have amazing teachers? Like, tell us a little bit about that story. Okay. Yeah. So growing up, I, you know, I wasn't actually like a crazy super athlete kid. I just, you know, played a couple sports, soccer, and then I got really into basketball uh, throughout high school, had a few little injuries and I went to physiotherapy for the first time in grade 10. And, you know, they really just did like the ultrasound and electrodes. And at the time I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So and I'm looking at career wise, I, I knew I didn't really want to sit in like a desk job all day. And physio just seemed like a great way to kind of stay in the sports community um, and, and have a good professional career. So kind of around then I decided, you know, I want to become a physio. And uh, when I got to university, I, I basically worked my butt off in my undergrad to do everything I could to prepare myself. So getting the grades I needed and doing all the different volunteer opportunities I could to get into school. Um, later on in my undergrad career, I started getting into uh, strength and conditioning. So I be, kind of became a bit of an assistant strength coach at the university I went to at Queens. Mm. And then I was uh, doing work in that capacity. And I did that throughout physio school as well. And then when I graduated, I decided to move back out here to Vancouver. And I worked at a, a local fitness facility um, that also had physiotherapists working out of it. And it was a, it was a, yeah, it was just a good start to my career that, uh, allowed me to, because I was working at a fitness facility to focus on the strengthening aspect and getting to work with the personal trainers and strength and conditioning coaches, uh, bouncing ideas constantly off using movement as a tool to, um, get people not only just feeling better with pain, but, I always say this during my lectures to younger physios. Um, I think sometimes as physios, we, we get obsessed with like, you know, treating pain, treating pain. But I also view physiotherapy as like really being like an in-depth movement coach. Um, so using like your hands-on skills on the table to be able to create an environment that will allow you to improve movement patterns. And then hopefully by improving those movement patterns, you can improve someone's ability to handle their tissue tolerance or their ability to accept load throughout their body. So they're going to experience less pain. Yeah. I love that. Like an in-depth movement coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause one thing that's like really big in the physio industry right now is like, like we're obsessed with like 
pain treatment, pain science, and, you know, you, you got to like m- mentally counsel your patients and then talk them out of their like negative thoughts in their head and all that stuff is really great. I like, I like that stuff a lot, but at the end of the day, I still think, uh, you know, we're, we're treating pain, but we can always help people feel like they're moving better. And especially when, you know, a lot of the clientele we work with here at coast pain can kind of be like an ongoing process, like, you know, and, and we can be there to kind of help them like consistently feel better throughout their journey of life. But, you know, there, as we know, there's, we always, we're always going to have niggles. Right. So um, it's, it's not just about like treating the pain in the moment because when's the next pain going to come around the corner. Right. But if we can focus on, if we can focus on getting people moving better, hopefully there's less of that happening. Yeah. And that's like, I would say, you know, that's when you talk about like, this is rehab, that's really what's underneath it, isn't it? Like, that's what the foundation of like your practice and and COS is built on is, you know, we're going to, if we move or as humans, we're going to experience pain or niggles or injuries. Uh, But if we can build a foundation and we can learn like how to move and, and how to create certain, I guess, qualities in the movement that we can maybe reduce our risk of injury or lessen. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I would love, before we move into that, I really would love to talk. We don't have to obviously dive really deep into it because it's really complex, but a little bit about pain, you know, as like, you know, as you know, you've been in this field for a long time. I've been coaching for 13 years uh, and People's relationship with pain really fascinates me, Uh, pain and discomfort and sensations in the body. So I'd love to uh, hear, like, how do you talk about pain, whether that's to younger physios, to your patients, uh, you know, what is it? How do you talk about it? Uh, And yeah, like looking at our relationship to it. Oh, that, that is a deep question. And I will be honest, I will be honest that I think there's a lot of physios that dive into this like pain science approach a lot more than I do, but I, I do my best to, to keep a good grasp of it. Um, I, I definitely view myself more of like a, a movement coach and always trying to improve movement patterns to help with pain. But pain is an in-depth process that obviously a lot of people come in here with with it and it can be like all consuming. Right. But uh, just realize just I think the biggest thing is making sure you can entrust the patient that just because something might be coming in on their MRI that's showing wear and tear or damage. I I really like a lot of the pain science that that shows that a lot of 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds have these wear and tears on their body despite what medical imaging might might, uh, be showing. So that is one of the big pieces I think that's valuable in talking about pain and people's perception of pain is a lot of times people get tied to it. And especially people with chronic pain, it's almost like the pain becomes a part of their meaning. And it's like they attach themselves to it. Um, and that can be really hard when you're in somebody with persistent pain and they, they can't let it go almost. Um, and even though they might be moving okay, 
you're like, well, what's going on here? What's, what's the process? And it's a deeply emotional thing. It's not always just about joint inflammation or tissue inflammation. Um, there's a lot of biopsychosocial stuff going on that can influence pain. And even just the amount of sleep you're getting, the amount of stress you're getting, those can increase your sensitivity to pain, your nutrition. Um, so, so all those things are important and it's really about having those conversations with the, the client. So you're not just working on their movement and you're not just like treating their soft tissues, but you're, you're trying to educate them that, you know, it's a journey and that you're going to, as you're working through some of this stuff, uh, movement wise, hopefully the pain will increase, but it's never linear. It's always going to be a bit of up and down when it comes to like the pain scale, like movement might consistently improve, but the pain improvement is always all over the place. And it's, it's like a giant squiggly line. So just no, no sure, one likes squiggly lines. <laughs> no. And I, I think just that that's really helpful for people because when you're dealing with someone with persistent pain, you almost have to coach them. You almost have to make sure that they become their own body coach because a lot of people with persistent pain almost become reliant on people like myself or massage therapy. And I think it's important to educate them that, you know, they're their own master, really. Like they, what they do day to day, how they may be thinking about things, what may be happening with their surroundings, that can all be playing into them and, and uh, making people a little more in touch with their body, not even just in terms of mind muscle connection, but even just more in tune about their pain experiences can be helpful as well. There's so much good stuff in there. And I, what I really love is you brought it back to this, like the nervous system, you know, the state of our system. And if the system is really stressed, that <clears throat> that's, that greatly affects, you know, uh, how the body's responding or our experience of pain. Uh, and that's really important. You know, sometimes we can go into treatment and, you know, we're not doing the work like that work that you were speaking about, you know, if we're not sleeping or we're not nourishing our body or we're not moving it or moving it in a way that meets it where it's at and is, you know, helping us build a foundation or greater movement patterns. Uh, we're kind of working against it. And then, you know, we, we were in treatment for a really long time and we get really stuck because of that foundational work that, you know, the nervous system is so stressed and it's really hard to heal yeah. in a chronic state of stress. Um, exactly. so, yeah, that was one piece I, I really loved uh, when you were just speaking. And the other piece I loved is this like ownership piece of, you know, taking responsibility for, uh, you know, our own healing journey or our own injury, our own pain uh, or our own rehab. And that's also really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a lot easier to, to feel reliant on someone else. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we can only look ourselves in the mirror and uh, if, we've, if we've done what we can to get the results that we want. Yeah, which, which brings it into this whole like, movement-based approach uh, and 
you know, in, cause we can, I guess there's like a difference between like, you know, chronic pain and acute pain. Yeah. Like someone can have like an acute injury where, you know, there, you have a very, quite a clear treatment plan for them. Uh, but then we enter this space of like more chronic pain. Uh, and if we take a movement-based approach, like you can speak to this, I guess, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. You know, why is having a movement-based approach uh, to like injury and rehab really key? And what does that mean? I think there's a few things to that. So oftentimes uh, when we look at pain, uh, some of the best things that are proven to pain in the research is exercise, whether it's isometric exercise. Uh, isometrics can be really great for like improving tendon capacity. And then we have eccentric strengthening, all the benefits that come with that as well too. Uh, and then that doesn't even just include like blood flow and, and all the science behind what's actually happening there as well. Um, another thing that I think happens is when you have pain, it can alter the way you move. And then what happens is when, is when you're altering the way you move to avoid pain, that's when you can get stuck in chronic movement impairments. And then that can lead to continued issues or different issues. And I, I think that's a pattern that a lot of people get stuck in. And I, one thing I try to tell people, and it's, it's even hard sometimes even as a physio, because sometimes as a physio, we're like, we can't overload the patient. We can only give them two, three, four exercises. If we give them 10 exercises, they're just going to get frustrated and not do it. But the honest truth with a lot of people is a lot of people need a lot of work. And oh, I love I, that. Can you say <laughs> that again? Please say that again. A lot of people need a lot of work. But I think a lot of people just don't, and this is like even me included, and I'm sure even you included, Amy, like it takes a lot of dedication to make true change when it comes to mobility or strength or even just consistency with routine. It takes a lot of work. And I think like 95% of us are often not willing to do it, but hopefully we can all just try to be a little bit better. Yeah, like I'll, yeah, I'll be honest. There's been times where, you know, I've been going through something, especially when I was weightlifting, I had niggles and little injuries all the time. And, you know, to have to like stop the practice or the training that you enjoy, focus on, you know, maybe doing the rehab or working on the specific thing. Like you don't want to do that all the time because it's like not super fun. It's not really sexy. Uh, but, you know, the more injuries I've had or the more like niggles I've had and experiences, like everyone just tells me like how important it is to like you know, sometimes we need to pause and the body gives us a sensation and it's telling us information. And so then we need to direct our energy and our focus and our attention to that, to like, to work on that and to fix it. And then we go back and we, you know, do our training, but then something else is going to come up. And I think that's my biggest learning. You know, when I, I initially, after my back, I got so attached to like just being strong and being able to train six days a week, like four hours a day. And then I got my first little injury and then my second one, and I didn't deal with it very well. I was so attached to training and feeling strong that 
um, I found it really hard to not train and to do the work uh, because I just wanted to get back to the training. But the more experiences I've had, uh, the better my relationship to that uh, has, yeah, has become, but it's, it's hard. Yeah, no, totally. For sure. It's uh, it's a good point you bring up. And I like how open you are about your, your journey. You often talk about your journey on uh, Instagram and I, I love it. So it's good that you're open about it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a really important conversation to have around like this pain injury rehab. Uh, and, you know, you have it multiple times a day with everyone that you see. And I've had it with, you know, I have it with a lot of my women. These just tiny little things, even when they're training, they'll say something like, you know, this hurts or this is painful. And it's like reframing the language around that because like, well, what is pain? It's just a sensation. Yeah. And so like, is it actually like painful or is it uncomfortable or like, what does it feel like yeah. what's really going on in the body here? And yeah. you know, it's okay to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I think I, I don't know, you could probably speak to this more powerfully than me, but I think it's okay to feel a little bit of pain. Yeah. I think that's one thing uh, we see it a lot and I agree with you. And that actually goes back to like the movement based approach, but we, a lot of us often all have a little bit of niggles, whether my shoulder's a little sore, or my, my hip or my knee, you know, I feel like most of us have one or two things going on. Even the, mo the most perfect specimen human really does, right? So it's okay to feel that. And I think sometimes we get caught up, a, a lot of like clients, they get caught up in wanting to feel like perfect or, and that's, that's fine. I think it's a good journey to try to work towards, but understanding that it's a journey and that, you know, it's okay to work through a bit, but it's also another important, why the movement-based approach is, is really key, I think, is educating people that, let's say your, your knee does hurt, well, how can you still get a really good training in around that? Doing lots of hip dominant work, um, you know, doing upper body, doing core, do, how can you still get a good training effect while minimizing those impacts? Because then you're taking care of your health still while working around a temporary niggle while we work on getting that better with our treatment and handful of, you know, physio exercises, how can we still get a good training effect through a movement-based approach, whether it's with our kinesiology team or the trainers that we refer to in the community? Yeah, could could you talk me through a little bit of like like the patient journey or the client journey? So taking this like philosophy and this like movement-based approach, what does someone's journey look like? Like, can you talk us through this this whole movement thing? If someone comes in and, you know, I know it's super individualized, but maybe uh, we could yeah, more yeah. spend time in like this chronic pain. Yeah. So maybe if someone has like you know, this chronic lower back thing or a chronic knee thing that just keeps like coming up or flaring up. Mm -hmm. Talk us through like what that journey looks like and what you would even, how would you start with this like movement-based approach? Does that make sense? Well, one, yeah. So one thing <laughs> I say in, in one of my courses I teach is I often talk about like this like movement-based approach versus like this like in-depth you know, physiotherapy approach where you're looking for like every little movement dysfunction. And oftentimes the, 
one thing I say is the most, the most chronic patients sometimes, the ones that have had pain for like a decade and everything's really bugging them, sometimes they honestly need the simplest approach. Sometimes, sometimes that in-depth stuff can be really, really valuable for sure. Um, and sometimes it's needed to kind of help reset their body a bit, but educating them that oftentimes these people have been stuck in a bit of a rut where they're not moving or they have a lot of mental fatigue that they need to work through. And, you know, sometimes just doing like a sim, sometimes like I had a patient that's been dealing with a back injury for three to six months and he's a workaholic. He works like 80 hours a week. And he's like, what can I do right now? And I'm like, go to hot yoga twice a week. That's all I want you to do. I'm not going to give you four boring physio exercises. I'm not going to tell you to do a bunch of strengthening right now. I want you to just get moving. And I want you to maybe look at managing your work-life balance a little bit better. And that was what I said to him on my first session with him. <laughs> because I've known him for a while and he's just kind of came back with this recent injury. And I'm like, you, you just need some self-care right now versus like worrying about, you know, whether my back's twisted or out of alignment or anything like that right now. Um, he was just working himself into the ground and, and needed some time to like get in touch with his body. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I, I think that's really cool. And a lot of us wouldn't, you know, wouldn't expect that, I think, is like, okay, we'll, we'll do the treatment, we'll do this, and I'll get some exercises. But sometimes we don't have the capacity to do that. And we need to be looking at, yeah, the other stresses in our life and, and having something so simple of like, okay, what does this person need you know sometimes it's just to walk more like yeah, exactly. <laughs> get outside and walk and maybe breathe through your nose <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly so when you talk about this movement-based approach you know they come in they have this problem you uh, assess them you you see what's going on and obviously you can tell you know you can you can tell like all of these little bits and pieces of the body you know you're seeing imbalances you're seeing this and this and this but you know, if from the patient's perspective, are you, are you just teaching them like how to move better? Are you teaching them like some movement patterns uh, or like, what does that look like? So the mm, example was like, yes, he's going to hot yoga, but what would be like another example? Well, I think, I think uh, there's a few things. So Sometimes we need to look at a patient, we need to figure out if we're gonna be doing a more general approach or a more specific approach. And sometimes I feel like when I see some younger therapists working, I'm like, you just gave that person a very general approach when I think they might need a more specific approach or, or vice versa. And I don't know, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong, right? But this is just from what I'm seeing. Um, because sometimes if let's say someone's coming in and they have like a really stiff ankle and they have a, you know, I don't know, they have decreased hip internal rotation on that, on that side and their, their knees been bugging them all on that same side. And then we give them clamshells and monster walks and, you know, something for a little bit of quad strengthening. To me, that's more of a general approach. But like a specific approach would be like, well, have we done stuff for their ankle? Have we done stuff for their hip internal rotation? Have we addressed how they're loading that side for it's just like tossing some random good exercises at them? Um, but other times, yeah, like 
You might have someone coming in with a similar type knee pain, but they're just deconditioned and maybe they just need to build up some capacity through their hip stabilizers and build up some quad strength just so their knees can be more supportive. Um, so that's where you have, you have to figure out if you're going to do more of a general approach or a specific approach, but either way, movement is going to be such a key part in getting that person feeling better. Yeah. I think from what, you know, what I'm hearing from what you're, what you're saying is that there's like some layers to it. So we can come back to this like nervous system layer, layer, what, like what's the state of the system and your stress and like, how could we support ourselves in that way? And then how could we move more? Like just generally move more, (laughs) whether that's walking or, you know, yoga a couple of times. And then the last piece from what I'm hearing is that we really need to go into like, if we have something going on and we're getting treatment for it, we need to, we need to understand that we need to be really active in that process that just seeing someone and getting treated. And yes, we might feel better for a little while, but we actually need a movement based practice. So whether we have one, so a lot of people, maybe they do train and they go to the gym and they do something, but maybe what they're doing is not working with their body. Like, right now and so they might need to change the movement based practice that they're doing to support where they're at but still movement is a part of it am i hearing that correct totally totally and another thing i think that's important is addressing what type of movement does someone need um do they need uh, mobility do they need strengthening do they need just some more conditioning right and i think um like for example like somebody like a tight 45 year old man might need more mobility work potentially if he's got some nagging knees and back pains, but you, for example, you're very mobile. You might need more, you might not necessarily need more strength because you're also strong and mobile, but maybe you need to work on control exercises more, right. And stability exercises. So choosing your direction, you're going to go there is important as well. And then other times, yeah, it might be as simple as what you said, just going for walks or just, going for some yogas or just going for some spin classes or, or doing something fun that they like to do. It can also be very valuable. Yeah. Um, and I think like that was one of the main things that I really wanted to talk about today and is around that, you know, we need to do the movement. We, and it may not be what we want to do all of the time. Like you said, you know, sometimes a 45 year old male that likes to lift a lot of weights doesn't want to do stretching or mobility because it's one, it's so effing hard for him because well, mobility is just really hard. Uh, um, And so we have to be okay with maybe changing our approach to what we're doing or adding something in that's going to support us to, you know, uh, where we're at with our body. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of people get pulled into the, the things that they really like to do, which can be valuable sometimes, like I said, in my last comment, but a lot of times, you know, it's the, it's the joke that, you know, a lot of, a lot of yogis 
need to hit the gym and a lot of gym goers need to go to the yoga. Right. So (laughs) I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I've worked with a lot of uh, yogis and dancers and they definitely don't need stretching work, (laughs) but they need so much stability and control work because they just, and if you put them under load, they just can't tolerate it because they have no ability to control their body. Um, And then yes, the same thing is, uh, you know, a lot of people that lift a lot of weights uh, and don't do a lot of stretching definitely yeah. need that. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the most important thing I want everyone to get a, get out of today is that yeah. well, one pain is just like a sensation. It's you know your body telling you something. It's like not good or bad. It just is. And then it's a it's a yellow light. It's not necessarily a red light. Yeah, unless you like, you know, jump off something and maybe snap your ankle. You know, that's like acute. But that's, pain. One, that's, yeah. one, that's, one, that's one thing I always tell people though is unless you have a severe concussion or unless you have like a really severe spinal injury that's really flared up, you can almost always stay moving. If you have an ankle or a knee, even if it's a week after surgery, you can, you can still get your heart going. You can still strengthen other parts of your body. Uh, and if you have an upper body injury, there's a lot you can do. So unless you have like a broken ankle and a broken shoulder, you know, really badly, but then even in that case, a lot of people have that, a lot of people have that, but they're on the, like a more mild scale. So you can still work around it. Like, unless you're, Unless you have the concussion, severe spinal injury, or severe upper and lower body injury at the same time, there's lots you can do. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, you know, sometimes we, we're so, and this brings into this like whole myth or misconception. Sometimes we're so afraid to move the thing that is like in pain. But I often say, you know, to the, if we don't move it, there's no blood flowing through it. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we need to, to, can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think there's a big misconception around like, you know, I have pain or I've injured this. Like I shouldn't like, yeah. I'm not going to move well, it at all. Well, there's even like a lot of research over the past decade has even gone away from things like icing. I still like icing for the first few days, typically uh, after an acute injury, but typically after a few days, a week max, you actually really want to start promoting blood flow typically sooner than that. And so some people even don't say you should ever ice and they say you should be heating and promoting movement right away. I still like a little bit of a calm down period for those two days, as I said, typically. Um, But research has shown that the best thing for like reducing that swelling and and reducing pain is the movement. Um, One being that, that often is how we can best reduce swelling is by getting muscle pumping. And the best way to get muscle pumping is through movement. Obviously uh, there are other ways we can get that same effect through some like electric. That's what, what is like electrical machines you see at physio clinics can be beneficial for. Right. Mm. Um, but really at the end of the day, uh, the more you gradually move something within your control of your pain, within your pain limits, you're going to slowly start to expand your movement window without pain. And I think that's, as you said, a lot of people get fearful of, oh, it hurts a little bit, but 
if you can slowly like touch your pain and come back and touch your pain and come back slowly, you'll be able to start increasing that more and more after an acute injury. That's why often after like a back tweak, a back, you know, issue that a lot of people get, um, like within a day or two, we often promote like, okay, let's start doing some cat cows. Let's start doing some light Cobra stuff. Let's start doing some child pose work, depending on what the injury is, is getting those. It's, it's really a gradual movement exposure for pain modulation is what we would say in physio world. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I used to have a coach, uh, that would say, you know, I try and injure myself a little bit every day. Now we're not talking a massive amount of injury, but just to create this like stimulus in the body that, that would be like, oh, that's, that's funny that that's coming up, that sensation. And then he would go towards that and then he would like work on that. And he just became obsessed with like just injuring himself a little bit, like every time he trained to like really learn about like his body and how to like, um, yeah, how to uh, adapt and, and make it stronger and balance it out more powerfully. And, you know, I often think a little bit about that when, uh, you know, something comes up and, and my mind is like, oh, when it's like this niggle or this injury. And I think, you know what, it's actually okay because it's information and now you need to take action, do some stuff for it, uh, get it moving, and then you can go back to your practice. So Totally, totally. Okay, I'm mindful of your time because you're a very busy man. Do you have anything else that you want to say around this pain, injury, rehab conversation? Oh, I think we've talked about a lot. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else to discuss really. But I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, some of the main takeaways, if you have a painful area, doing slow, gradual movement of it is okay. And progressive strengthening of the area can be good too. Often that is helpful to come see physio for some guidance with that. I think pain is a very deep process. That's much more than just tissue inflammation or damage on an MRI. Um, so understanding that what you see on the MRI might not always be translating to your pain and understanding about how your day-to-day -day actions in terms of your life and stress can be contributing to your pain are also important factors to weigh in. And then using movement as, uh, as a way, not only to help treat pain, but help increase your body's ability to have a movement window. So that's one thing I often say, I, I hadn't said this yet is one of the reasons why it's so important to increase, increase your body's ability to move is if we have more of a movement window, then let's say we're talking about a knee, for example, if a knee is always kind of constantly being pulled in one way, often in, but let's just say in, then you could end up with a lot of torque on the knee. But if you can increase through your hip mobility and ankle mobility, your ability to kind of really get that knee out, then you're going to have less consistent tissue strain from this one movement pattern. Because rather than going in this one direction, you know, your knee can go here, your knee can go there, your knee can go here, your knee can go everywhere. So that's why having movement variability is, is so key mm. for opening up your body's ability to have control in a larger spectrum. But it's not just about mobility, it's about the control. Yeah. So that's one more little rant there. But yeah, I think we've covered a lot. 
yeah we have we can also we can always do another one as well you know we've got we can talk about periods you can talk about we can talk about periods uh actually something interesting right so i was talking to an osteo i'll just do this really quick because i know you have to go talking to an osteo uh a little while ago and she's been practicing for quite like quite a while and she said that she started to see this like link between women who are in perimenopause and menopause and the way that they would respond to treatment um uh yes i i i think i've seen the same thing I, okay. I, it's hard to say exactly, and I don't honestly know enough about what goes on with you guys to really know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, well, I think I think it'd be cool and really interesting to know, like as a um, as a practitioner, it's like, hey, like if you were like in this part of the cycle, or you know, in perimenopause or menopause, and we treated you this way, like what would yeah. be like the impact? But really, for me, it always comes back to the nervous system. It always comes back to like the yeah. state of the body, whether that's that for everything um and we just don't give that enough credit and so if you you know if you are injured or are in pain you need to really look at your life and how you're actually living (laughs) well what's interesting about the the menopausal stuff is so one of the worst painful injuries that us physios have to deal with is frozen shoulder and frozen shoulder i don't know the exact number but it's like it's like five or six or eight to one females to male ratio. And the number one age group is pretty much around like 50. Menopause. Yeah. There's pretty much a a big, they believe there's a big connection to hormonal shifts around the age of 50 that can cause frozen shoulder. And for anybody that knows much about frozen shoulder, it's a very, very painful condition where your shoulder basically goes from like normal to like barely being able to function. And you have terrible night pain for typically six months to two years. And there's almost nothing you can do about it. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting injury. Uh, you know, getting some treatment on it is, is helpful, but most frozen shoulders typically run this course of getting worse and they plateau and then they get better. And the typical trajectory is anywhere from six to 24 months of just this cycle. And they think a lot of it's hormonal shifts because there's no really known cool. cause. It just, it just happens out of nowhere. Well, maybe we could do we could do an episode on that. I don't know what we're going to talk about for the whole episode, but I would be interested to know that if you can prepare yourself to come into perimenopause and menopause better, like you can build that stress tolerance and... Uh, you can have a better ride into it if that would reduce the incidence of having frozen shoulder and also having a, a stronger movement practice. You know, if you actually yeah. have a strong mobile body and you had really good stress tolerance, if you went into menopause, would that reduce your risk of frozen shoulder? That is a study. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I honestly bet there's research on it because it's honestly one of the mysteries of the healthcare industry, frozen shoulders. So okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they're studying it, but. I think that's a good point because I think, you know, a, a lot of women get really busy with their lives and they can often forget about themselves and then leading into menopausal years. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're a frail grandma and you, you, you kind of miss the boat. Right. So I think it's really important to build that foundation throughout your thirties and forties for sure. Yeah. Okay, Dave. Well, uh, where can people find you? 
I know yeah, you've, so got, you've got a wait list that's like so long. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little shorter right now. It's a little shorter in January. I actually have a spot open tomorrow because we had a bunch of uh, COVID cancels. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so you can find me at North Vancouver at Coast Performance Rehab or in Kitsilano at Coast Performance Rehab. Dave, thank you so much for your time. Okay. Awesome, man. <gasps> Anytime. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.